This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go is right. Business storytellers, how's everyone doing? Hey, thanks for joining me. Today, I want to talk about caring leadership. And you know what? There's a lot of people out there that tell me, oh, I care about my people. I care about my people. But at the end of the day, some of them, it's just lip service. So I asked Heather, our younger, to come on the show. She wrote The Art of Caring Leadership. If you're watching on Amazon Live, that is the featured item in the carousel. Um, if you're watching on any other shows, the link is in the show notes. And if you're watching on DBNA Television Network, just head on over to authenticstorytelling.net forward slash live. I'll put that up on the bottom in a minute. So let's get Heather on the show to find out about why she cares so much, thankfully so, about this topic and what can she share with us? Why is caring leadership so important and what are people struggling with? Heather, welcome to the show. Really appreciate it. Hello there. Thanks for having me. You bet. So tell me about the journey to the book. What what prompted you to write it? What's, um, you, you know, why is this an important topic? Mm. You know, over the years, I found myself faced with some leaders who I didn't really feel cared all that much. Uh, and they didn't demonstrate it in their behaviors. They were kind of the people you talked about just a second ago on the lip service side. Uh, and sometimes they didn't even give lip service because they just knew they could give a care. Um, And so I kind of got, to be honest, up to here with dealing with leaders like that. And I was working at an organization. There was a merger of five companies and nobody was really listening to the employees. They weren't they weren't asking the questions from the employees to see what was going on to make the merger a success. And and the merger really wasn't all that successful. And uh, but I realized during that time that somebody needed to be the voice for employees. Somebody needed to bring back what was happening. You know, employees would come to me and say, what, why are my leaders not telling me anything? Like, what's happening here? I'm so confused. I'm, and so I, I just decided to step into those that role um, and create an employee fanatics to really help organizations listen more effectively to their people. Uh, and that the listening is really at the crux of what caring leadership is about. What's always interesting to me when it comes to listening is, um, not everybody communicates the same way. Do you know what I mean? Like, so for example, somebody said to me, hey, are we still doing this one thing? I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But what they really meant is, I don't want to do that. Or I don't have time. Or do you know what I mean? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, hey, I don't have time. Like, I don't have time for this these shenanigans or whatever. So that's always something to keep in mind as well. How do leaders learn how to understand those different styles um, I think sometimes it's it's easier uh, than other times, you know, especially, I mean, there's plenty of tools out there now. And mm-hmm. and I actually, I published my own, um, what is it called? Predictive index. You know, I publish it. I show people, this is, this is how I communicate. So how do leaders learn that and, um, you know, not make it too difficult, I guess? Well, you mean like having their team members understand their communication style? I mean, I think I think I love DISC. I'm a DISC certified uh, practitioner, and I love it because I, I, I what I always love to do is to break put people into different corners of a room. So get get together in a room if you physically can be there, and if not, you can do it on the screen and Zoom or Teams. 
but get them in different places and put them in rooms together, like with their own, with their same behavior style, and then make them come up with scenarios where they have to sell concepts or present present certain concepts to the other type of style. So there's really four key styles and uh, of communication and behavioral preferences. And once you can let them see that they've been talking in their own language the whole time and failing to meet the other person in their style, even midway, then they realize, oh, I have more power than I think to get uh, to, to basically communicate my message much more effectively to the people that I need to. The audience changes and my message needs to change. Uh, Chris, I know you do this work. And so that's I, that's why I love this so much is it really helps people land on the right way to talk and behave depending on who's in front of them. Yes, I, I find it very difficult, honestly, for some to reason. figure oh, out. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> I, I actually find it very difficult sometimes to figure out how what some people's styles is. But once I do, you know, I certainly try to um, adjust my own style. For I'll give you an example. For example, I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's do this great idea. Chase the squirrel. That is definitely a little over dramatic here, but let's just go try it, right? And I had team members before who were really innovative, who got stuff done, but they always had to sleep on it. They couldn't just go, let's do it. They'll do it tomorrow after they slept on it and they got some other ideas. And, you know, for my personality, if I don't know that, that's really hard to get into your head if you don't understand how they communicate. But once you do, you know, it's, uh, it, it works. Now, why do you think there's so many leaders? And, of course, I have no, num- no idea what the number might be, but I've seen them where it's just lip service. You know, they say, oh, I care about you. But you tell them, you know, oh, my goodness, I have a bad day or whatever. And they don't, they don't really care. Why is that? Why is that such a um, thing? I don't want to say yeah. common, but why is it? Well, I mean, it, it is common. I think I think that it's more of us than you think. So we 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 often will say that we care, and uh, and it, it really is about consistent behaviors, daily actions that we take to show concern and kindness for to towards those that we lead. That's what caring leadership is. It's taking daily actions to show concern and kindness for those we lead, or that for those who look to us for guidance. I say that because it's not always those with the title. Uh, everybody can be a caring leader inside the shoes we stand. So just know that too. We can't. We, none of us can just kind of say, oh, well, that's not me. I don't have a title. I don't manage people. Uh, no, that's not the case. We all have this responsibility to show up that way. Um, but I think the issue is there's a lack of self-awareness in a big way. So in order to be, in order to even become a caring leader, you have to have an awareness of a hole that you're leaving for the people who look to you for guidance or leadership. And so once you have that awareness, it's then having this desire to do something about it and the stamina or the stick to itness to actually see it through and know that it's not going to happen overnight. I, um, I work with organizations a lot and it'll be like after we will do like one survey and we'll start doing action planning. We'll take all these actions and they're like, okay, well, our scores are going up yet. And it's like, wait a second, hold on, stop, stop, stop. You have to take some time. You have to know that this is not a one once one year thing, that these cycles last and you won't see a lot of results until maybe year two or three. Um, and it's just because you have to stay with it. So I think in, in most cases for the leader, it's just their lack of self-awareness, understanding that your words mean very little. It's the actions. I, yeah, and I, I think, you know, it, self-awareness is very interesting, right? Because you learn it as you go and 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 um, you, you know, I, I've learned so much about myself in the last 20 years that I wasn't really aware of, right? The previous 10 years or, or whatever it w- might have been. Um, so your book, so you have, um, so you interviewed like 80 leaders or something like that on your podcast. So w- was it really a podcast to book strategy? Like a lot of the content came from your podcast or? 
it, a lot of the content came from the podcast. However, you have to remember before that I had already read about 25,000 employee survey comments and I've sat in mm-hmm. over a hundred employee focus groups and listening sessions. So I had a lot of context. I'd written my first book on employee loyalty, which really did synthesize a lot of what I'd learned just again, being with employees is why they call me the employee whisperer. I spend a lot of time with team members inside of organizations. Uh, and so, but taking that is like a backdrop and then interviewing now it's been about 180 uh, leaders, but I took like 80 of those and decided to put them, uh, their voices some way in the book. And it was because I'd number one, I didn't want it to be a book just for my voice. I felt like it's just not nearly as persuasive as I'm using other people's stories, stories of when they're great, stories of when they're not so great, it really helps us see ourselves inside their lives. And of course, it helps when we when I ask the question about how they came out of the situation that where they weren't so great, um, it helps us see ourselves there and the solution to get out of the place we might be too. So uh, that's why I included their voices as well. I, I mean, I anybody who listens to this show at any intervals, they know I love, love, love this concept. And I was so excited to see that in your book because uh, repurposing content is just the way to do it. You know what I mean? I mean, that is, I am just, I am so pleased and tickled when I see anybody doing that and they interview people on their podcast and they turn it into a book or whatever articles or whatever it might be. I, I just think it's the way to do it. So um, hats off to you for, certainly for doing that. Now, caring. I, wish I, could say I was strategic in that. I wasn't very strategic, just so you know. It didn't. Ha- it wasn't like something I thought out ahead in advance. It happened organically as I realized the brilliance of the people I was interviewing. I realized I needed to put it into a different uh, medium. That was it. Even better, even better. I do that all the time. Let's like, how do we do something we just learned today? I do it. Uh, I, I do it all the time. I'll, I'll give you a quick example. The DBNA Television Network and the Helium Radio Network. It was never my plan to be on TV. Like, a, whatever. I don't even know what that means. And then all of a sudden, Charlene Walters, who was on the show a couple of times, and she has her show launch. Um, she says, "Hey, you should talk to these uh, guys and, and and see what you want to do if you want to be on on the TV network." And now I am. In fact, had you asked me two years ago, I would have been like, TV? I'm a podcaster. I'm a live streamer. I don't need TV. I'm going on Twitch. Um, so, you know, I, I think that strategy is pretty wonderful. So when you try to care about people and you're really making an effort, it's also it's a little bit of a two-way street too, right? I'll give you an example. If I have personal something, right, something is affecting me, but my boss or or even my teammates don't know, right? Why am I having a bad day? And I don't necessarily, you know, I, I don't think people have to share every little nitty and gritty detail, but isn't that also important to have those open discussions? Hey, look, something happened today or I have a bad day. Like for example, I had a really bad day on Friday. You know, my, my wife's uh, grandfather passed away. Um, I was going to go to have a week off anyways. All these things happen on the same day, you know, as I was trying to get to the funeral, as I was trying trying to wrap a couple of things up. And people knew and people cared and nobody gave me a hard time or anything. And I definitely had a bad day. So how do how, how I mean, is that important or am I just making that up? You're not, you're not just making it up. I think it's important. Yeah. Um, leadership vulnerability. Yeah. I mean, us actually showing we're not, we're, we're human and we're not perfect is really essential to caring leadership. There is a balance where it's like it was selective vulnerability. So we're not going to be going in there talking every day about, you know, what our husband did or what our husband failed to do or what our children, like just nonstop, right? Because we don't want to be dumping. We don't want to be known as the energy zapper. We want to be uh, known as the energy giver. 
and the vision creator. And so in that regard, we have to be just pretty strategic. And I'm going to be honest, this is a weak point for me. I wish I could tell I'm like, yeah, I talk about this. I write about this. But believe me, like I probably score an 80 percent in each of these areas that I talk about in carrying leadership. I am not 100 percent there. I'm constantly a work in progress, uh, trying to be more selective not be so emotionally driven because I'm a very emotional animal. Most humans are, but I really am uh, leading with empathy and heart a lot. Um, but it's not something I'm ever going to get rid of. You know, right? I'll, I'll keep working on, but there's just some parts I'll never, I'll never go away from. So I think the, the issue is, you know, when we, when we think about caring leadership, it really is a journey. It's a journey to, towards continuous improvement, but not towards perfection. And we just have to have this awareness that we're never going to get there, but that we have to continue to walk in that, in that path and try to get better every day. Yeah, very, very interesting. So where do you draw the line? So, I mean, at the end of the day, right, we are in a business. Uh, it doesn't have to be as cutthroat as the NFL. I know I like to use sports analogies here and there, right? Like the like the next play mentality. And, and I think that actually works, right? What's the next play mentality? So at the end of the day, as a team, we have to perform, right? So where is that fine line? So if you look at like professional football, Right. If you don't perform, you're gone. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I don't think in general whether you had a bad day or not. Right. The next guy up in line. But in the business, it's not hopefully that cutthroat. So where do you draw the line to? You know, we care about each other, but we also need to move forward. How do you combine those things? Mm. Well, I think, you know, here's the thing about caring leadership. I was just talking to an audience yesterday in Texas on Habitat for Humanity, so hoot hoot to them in Texas. Um, and we talked about this idea of, uh, you know, that caring leadership also has as one factor, this idea of clarity, setting clear expectations and guidelines. It also has as a part of it, this idea of helping your people course correct when they go off track. So I think if we, if we the more we set expectations, put the goals in front of them, be very clear about what our expectations as far as where we want to get to, but we let them run towards the destination the way that they choose, but we stay there as a resource for them when they maybe find some hiccups in the road or need a little bit of pushing. We can do that, but we're not micromanaging. So there's that that balance there between like allowing the freedom for risk-taking, but also providing guardrails and clarity. Uh, and so care doesn't just mean I'm going to come hug you, squish you all the time, right? Well, although it does include those, it does include those warm and fuzzies as well. Um, it, it also means that sometimes I have to say to you, uh, you know, I'm not sure this behavior is in line with what it was we, we thought you, you know, the person that I know you are, the person I know you to be, the thing I know you value the most. And so let's talk about the why behind that and let's see how we can change that. And the same thing would be true with related goals. If you see people slipping on timelines, um, if you already took a lot of time to show them that you care for them by, uh, you know, uplifting them and appreciating them when they do well, by helping them set really good attainable goals and finding ways to remove barriers for them to get there, uh, by really making them feel important and connected to the work that they do. It seems these are some of the things right and if you do that and then when it's time for you to talk to them in a way that uh, that maybe not again doesn't have maybe the warm fuzzy feel because they know that you already are completely vested in their success in so many ways when you go to them to call them on the carpet or to help them self you know self-correct horse correct they don't they're not as hurt and they definitely aren't angry over it because they know they might be angry at themselves because in that in that moment they may have let you down uh, and while you don't want them to feel that way as they leave you want them to feel that there's a responsibility to get better for sure so i mean you, you kind of answered that question perfectly um really the, the the point is yes we want to care about each other but you also there's still an expectation of getting work done so you can't just use it 
uh, as an excuse, oh, you don't care about me to never get any work done or, or whatever, right? You still, there is, a, there is a, a container of things we're trying to accomplish as a team, but certainly you have to move forward um, caring about each other as a person too. I even find this more important and that was definitely not the right phrasing. I find this um, extremely important on a creative team because what I found is the more you actually care about each other, the more you can collaborate, right? The more you can get rid of politics, the more you can um, you can have open discussions because if I think you're a jerk, guess what? I'm not gonna tell you about an idea. I don't think it's a good idea, right? If, if everything gets shut down anyways, I'll just sit over here in my cubicle or my home office. Now in your book, you talk about um, you know, caring is kind of a nebulous idea at times, right? But you have real actionable steps that people can take. Talk about that a little bit. How do I, I mean, you talked about self-awareness already um, a little bit. Um, how do we get started? How do we know, how do we know that we don't care enough? Maybe, I don't know. Um, okay, so I'm going to give you two things. One is I want to go back real quick and uh, just edit something that we just said a second ago. Um, and that is so that providing providing the guardrails and the clear expectations actually is caring leadership. It's not a but, it's not an either or, it's an and. So as I am, in order for me to say that I care, it means I'm providing clear expectations and guardrails and uh, things that they can aim for, just pure clarity. It's in the clarity that I show I care for you too. Okay. So it's not an and, or it's, 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 it is, it is what it is. It's and it's not a, but. Uh, so I want to make sure I add that in there because I think that people may have been left with, well, wait a second. So it's this or it's that. No, it's not. It's the same thing. Okay. Um, as it relates to uh, your, the question you were asking related to, um, now I can't remember what it was. What was the, jog my memory on the second part of it? Cause I wanted to make sure I edited that. And then there was the first part. What was it? What was my second question? Oh, that's I know what it was. I know what it was. Okay, I'll, I'll get back to it. I know what it was. Okay, so basically, what you were asking is, what were the specific things that like make up care? And I'll give you a couple here. One of them is making them feel important. And uh, part of that that's built into that is this idea of showing you know consistent recognition, helping, uh, having deep connections with them, um, you know, being available for them, being in the trenches with them. There's this closeness that's required. And there's just, uh, there's just this social intelligence. So it's like the, the connection between what's happening in their world and what they're feeling and how you can uh, come closer to them in that regard. Uh, when you do those things by the appreciation, by showing connection, by being connected with them, you know, spending one-on-one -on -one time with them, uh, getting your, your, on your cadence and your calendar to meet with them one-on-one, -on -one, that's how you make them feel important. Um, another way is to help them build in resilience. How what you first, obviously, as a leader, have to work on you. So the very first chapter in the book is on self-leadership. And I, I outline eight or nine ways that you can focus on self-leadership. You have to start there, which is why it's first. And everything else stems from that. Uh, so then when you think about building resilience, you have to become resilient on your own. And I, I put out some strategies to do that in the book, but then you have to then help them do the same. So you kind of replicate your behaviors, replicate how you build resilience with them. And so one of, let's say one example is helping them to reframe a circumstance, which we all kind of do it um, in an involuntary way, but this is an intentional way. This being super intentional about thinking differently about a state uh, that we're in right in the moment. And, uh, but letting them understand that we are all human and that we have to understand that we have to take in the emotions, sit in the emotions for a little bit, because that's what a human is supposed to do. Instead of going, I'm going to hit through this concrete wall. No emotion stops me. Bull, 
happens, right? That's not, doesn't, it's not, that's not true. We are human. We have to ex- exist in that. And as a leader, we have to tell our people that and show our people the way. And then we have to tell them to cut it off. Now there's a way, how do we, what is the switch now that says it's time to move forward from the thing that we're facing that we feel is insurmountable? What can, what is the thing that's been good from it? And so that's where that's one of the strategies inside the resilience chapter um, that is there too. So self-leadership, making them feel important, resilience, those are a few of the things. And in there, um, the reason why I share the stories, because the stories bring all of the tactics and everything to life where people can see that behavior in practice. Yeah. And making people feel important, super, uh, also having their back, you know, I mean, I remember I've been in a lot of organizations where, I mean, things were just changing, not because of the organization was bad, but because the industry was changing, you know, in publishing, journalism, all those different roles. I mean, stuff is in an upheaval. I mean, it really is, you know, so I would tell people, I said, look, I got your back. You're a good designer, whether you design a print magazine or you design a website for, you know, a big organization, you know, you can do it. You can learn how to do it. And I got your back to doing it. Now, whether they wanted to do that kind of work, that's a different question, of course. But at the very least, you know, I had that back. Uh, had their back. Now, Employee Fanatics, that's just a fantastic name for a company, by the way. Um, so really, really cool, really awesome. Uh, you know, have you seen the people you work with, have you seen this become more important to care about people and, and to really show it during this whole everybody being remote and everybody, you know, um, I'll give you an example. Maybe it's not an example, but it's interesting. It's very different, the collaboration online, right? Because we're all about the same size, you know? I'm 6'5", and I'm talking to somebody on Zoom daily, and, you know, she's 5'4", but but nobody ever knows because we That's never – do you know what I'm saying? Yes, it's a very it's so true. It's very different. Um, so, but But has it become even more important to make a point to show that you care about your employees while everybody seems to be in different places? Yes, it is. I mean, it, it, in the end, it's a, it's a, we have to really, I always say lean into it more now. So now if we did it before and we showed up that way, now we have to do it twice as much. And then the people's real, what has been happening is people saying to me, listen, I feel like I'm doing a good job of leaning into this and that I am trying to connect more and we have connected more and now I'm exhausted. And so what's come up from all of this and my discussions with, with employees and leaders and things is that it, uh, the compassion fatigue, the empathy fatigue is really setting in. And so now they're, the thing that I'm counseling more people to is making sure the self-leadership stuff is really strong because leaders have to lean in and we have to continue to lean in on the connection front, on the making people feel in front, important front on the care front. And so that's not going to be easier for us. It's going to be harder, particularly if we don't show up naturally that way. So uh, in this regard, we need to make sure that we're super clear about what we value, super clear about who we are and making sure we care for ourselves through self-care, you know, mechanisms like exercise and journaling and, you know, meditation and things. But we have to fill, we have to, as we are leaning in heavily into the care and the connection, we have to fill, fill, pour, pour, pour into our own cups. Uh, so it's going to require more of a balancing act in that regard. And at the same time, we're still doing the same thing with our families. So it's going to take more out of us. There's just no doubt. But we can't we can't care less now. We need to care more. We need to care more. And we also need to figure out a way to, to show it. And I think, uh, I, I don't know, I think it is uh, more difficult because you don't run into people, right? You have to make a point to talk to them. I actually had a meeting one time with somebody in our UK office and I said, oh, what's this meeting about? It was like a 30-minute meeting, maybe 15. And he said, oh, I just want to say hello. I'm like, oh, 
that's actually kind of nice. And then I shared that with somebody else. And there's no, um, I don't know what you call it. There's no power relationship, right? Like mm -hmm. he doesn't report to me. I don't report to him. Like peers, I guess. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, but it was just like to check in. And I think sometimes that is actually very nice when you just kind of like talk to people and make a point. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Um, of course, some people have said, well, I don't have time to do that um, because I'm so busy. And I get it. But, you know, we make we make time for what we uh, what we deem important. And that's, mm. I think, um, something to keep in mind really quickly here, like the last minute or, or 90 seconds or so. Tell me about employee fanatics. What's the how do how do people work with you? When would they reach out? Uh, what's your your typical client, I suppose? Uh, so uh, employee fanatics, we help organizations create cultures of listening, uh, and we do that through employee engagement surveys, listening sessions, uh, focus groups, culture teams, and we help facilitate a lot of those things. We also do that help uh, leaders inside of that regard. So we help them become more caring. We help them become more emotionally intelligent uh, through our workshops and our training and our e-learning platform as well. So uh, I would say, you know, the, the best way to start working with us, like I, think, I think it depends on what the needs of your organization are. If you're someone who can make a decision around the listening process and creating more of a, uh, a culture of listening in your organization, you're an HR, you're a COO, a CEO, and you're interested, uh, then you would reach out uh, just directly through our website at employeefanatics.com. And that's F-A-N-A-T-I-X. And it has an I-X in the end because we work a lot from data. Uh, we believe that, uh, yes, the caring leadership and all of the stuff we talk about is can sound very nebulous and touchy-feely. But if we ground everything in qualitative and quantitative data, we can then back that with our intuition and really make some amazing decisions for team members. So we're hoping to really improve employee experience in the entire journey from the beginning to the end. So yeah, that's how you get a hold of us. Fantastic. EmployeeFanatics.com. Check them out if you need to create that culture of listening and also hearing, right? I mean, we want to hear people and make sure we can move forward together. Heather, I'm glad we connected I really appreciate you making the time and, and sharing your knowledge. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Awesome. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Hello. Hi. Are you still there? I have a special offer for you. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. My going live book is now available on Amazon.com. And if you're in the United States, I'm happy to send you a signed copy, which you can order at paypal.me forward slash C-T-R-A-P-P-E, C-T-R-A-P-P-E forward slash 12. Thanks for your interest. If you're not in the United States, I can't send you a signed copy. But of course, you can order on Amazon.com.